Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma, and today I'm with Leo Farias. I hope I said that okay. I know we kind of practiced a little bit before the show. Uh, before <laughs> yeah. before I turn it over to you, I want to give one last uh, shout out. So uh, as you guys may know, we are actually running a course right now with how to integrate Rust and Flutter together. So if you're interested to check out the course, it's rustwithflutter.com. Again, rustwithflutter.com if you're interested to see how you can integrate your Rust code with your Flutter projects. Now back to the show. Uh, Leo, sorry to kind of cut you off before you can talk about yourself. Now it's your turn that I did my own little self-plug. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself to, to the world, although people should already know who you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alan, th thank you very much for having me on. Uh, you know, be watching the podcast for a while and you have some great people and I'm honored to uh to be here um i'm you know leo ferris as you mentioned i've been working with flutter for uh i think end of 2018 or so a little bit after they announced it i have created some tools and some utilities uh most famously fvm which has been used uh day to day i'm, I'm ceo of concepta uh, which is a development agency located in the uh, united states in florida and you know we focus a lot of enterprise development mobile development and yeah that's uh pretty much where i am how do you find the business of actually working in flutter in consultancy uh do you find it good or bad because it's like um i feel like there's a big business in this because i'm kind of doing the same thing and there's very good ventures and i think there's one or two others that kind of rolls off the top of my head like do you think there's actually enough pie for everybody to kind of eat on because, I mean, this uh, Flutter is still quite new, right, in terms of, and also the market share is quite small. Yeah. So we don't, we're not a consultancy that specializes only on Flutter development. A lot of uh, that we do is, you know, overall web development, uh, enterprise APIs. And we, we work a lot with uh, React Native, especially shared code between web and so on. And we are very interested uh, in Flutter because we feel like there's a huge uh, overlap, especially once the, the web piece uh, comes together. It is, I think, in enterprise, not all enterprises, but I think when you're talking about uh, medium-sized uh, enterprises and large-sized enterprises, not, you know, not, uh, let's say, the Fortune 100 uh, companies, they are lagging a little bit behind, but we start seeing people that they understand that going fully native iOS, native Android has some overhead and they have some concerns about some of the other solutions like React Native uh, from performance reasons and so on. So Flutter gives an opportunity to say it fits well. It's a little bit of uh, the best of both worlds. But I, the way I see where Flutter is going, I mean, th there's definitely uh, going to be, you know, <laughs> enough of the pie for everyone. The demand is just uh, you know, too great, especially when talking about technology and the problems people are trying to solve. I think uh, on the medium-sized enterprise, I do think it lags a little bit behind. And then comes, you know, for uh, agencies and consultancies to come in and say, okay, here's the pros and cons, because every technology has their pros and cons to educate the client and, you know, uh, be able to push them in the right direction. But you you still do React Native consultancy? Yes. So what's your opinion React about... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, React Native, uh, I mean, we do a lot of React Native, uh, especially because, uh, again, it's a lot of the web and web making transition. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, let's say, shared domain when you're trying to implement, uh, 
let's say Node and front end and React and React Native, it, get, it gives a good, uh, let's say shared no domain, shared knowledge, right? Uh, shared packages, shared libraries. Uh, one of the reasons that, one of the, the reasons I'm interested in, in, in Dart and Flutter is because they are solving, I feel like they're going towards the same direction, but they are, uh, they have created a technology from the ground up that I think eventually will solve these problems, uh, much better. In, you know, once you add the web, I think when it comes to mobile, uh, uh, Flutter, the development experience and, and overall development, uh, results, I think is overall uh, much better. Why do you think that Flutter will make a headway? Because if you think about it, when you're in web, uh, basically React is kind of the framework. I think Vue is kind of also up there too. But if you have a choice between React and React, sorry, React and Vue, if you think about getting into web, uh, sorry, getting into mobile app development, uh, obviously React Native would be a very close call, like you kind of said. So why do you think that uh, Flutter would have some kind of challenge to this? I mean, it's still kind of lacking SEO support. Uh, a lot of things, right? You have to, it's basically a new language, although it's similar to JavaScript. Uh, you know, why, why would you think something like this? So, I think the the biggest thing going against uh, well, there's a lot of articles about performance and memory consumption and things like that in React Native and uh, against Flutter, which I think those are valid articles. If you're in a mature situation where we're trying to optimize, right, and and you know a second uh i don't know app startup is is critical for your business which there's a lot of business that they are and things like that those things are extremely important uh but for a lot of companies that they just want to be able to iterate quickly and go to market the decision is they're willing to give away a little bit for performance now the biggest downside uh that i see with uh i'll say javascript tooling and to be honest I'll say TypeScript because we use TypeScript in the company. I couldn't imagine developing an app not using uh, TypeScript. But uh, when it comes to uh, TypeScript slash JavaScript tooling, it it's not there yet. It's it's very uh, painful overall when you compare it to something like Flutter, right? So the debug experience uh, from React Native is is extremely poor compared to Flutter. Uh, the overall tooling, the build process, uh, is actually, and there, there's some projects, right? There's some projects, interesting projects. I think Rome tools that aim on creating a ground up, uh, uh solution for JavaScript. We've seen things like Dino, right? The, the alternative to Node that wants also from ground up to be a better tool, uh, for JavaScript. But that the overall experience of building a React Native app and the overall maintenance of Na uh, native dependencies on it, it is a, uh, I'll say it's much worse experience from, from a developer side of maintaining. Now, if you install a fresh React Native app and you start building it, it can, you know, be an overall good experience. But once you're there, you start bringing a lot of dependencies and you have to update it, uh, right? These native sites, the, the tooling is just not there. So I think that's one of the biggest downside outside of performance performance is is extremely important uh but there's some interesting things happening in react native that you know i think they'll be good enough but the dev side is still lacking yeah i think they have some new thing called flux or something that they're kind of starting to push have you heard of this before uh no not flux i've been following a lot of the the jsi right the 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 javascript bridge that didn't improve performance uh they have some things for uh you know 
they have the debugging tool. Um, I believe it's called Flipper. And, but it is, is not there, right? The fact that, uh, overall, uh, you know, once the fact that you don't have, and that's why I tell people, what is the difference between Flutter and React Native? And what I tell them is this, for most part, on Flutter and Darts, if your IDE is not giving errors, your app will compile. And when it comes to JavaScript tooling, especially React Native, it is, it is a little bit of a Russian roulette. You're not guaranteed to compile, right? If the dependencies resolve, your IDE indicates that if things are fine on Flutter, your app will compile. And, and React Native is like, why is this happening, right? Error, some configuration change, and so on. So, you know, uh, if, if companies are behind it, I, I'm sure they will make it work and be good enough. But uh, Flutter, it's a, a ground, from the ground up approach. And I think overall solve the problem much better from a, I see the, the problem that Flutter is trying to solve, the, the unified UI problem, right? The only technology that we have for unified UI right now, it's a web, right? Projects like Electron, right? Uh, React Native and so on. Uh, you know, you had Cordova, Ionic. Uh, that's Unified UI. And Flutter, it is being built from the ground up to be a better solution for Unified UI. Yeah, this is true, though, too. But the other thing is that it's not, I don't know how to explain, but I mean, it does have, does kind of abstract some things, right? Like with, with HTML, it's pretty quite clear how things work. But with Flutter, I mean, how it makes these different components, I mean, there's different types of renderers, right? You have to understand there's like a, I know there's Canvas, which is kind of like the default one, but then there's the other one. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that one's called for web. Like that part is a little bit more complicated as opposed to React. It's like, okay, this is just HTML, CSS, JavaScript, very straightforward. Um, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that, that's the kind of thing. So, yeah. So for example, in React, you have similar things, right? With React Native, you have whatever the Mac is equivalent, the iOS, right? The Android. Now, I don't say it's too much. I guess we could call a renderer, but it's not painting the elements, right? It's actually, let's say, calling the native elements on the screen. Um, I think when it comes to the Flutter web, and I'm extremely interested, I don't think it's there yet for a lot of the use cases. Um, and I know there's been some debates about, you know, Flutter as a, as an app, uh, application or Flutter as, you know, for websites and things like that. Uh, I think it's it's approaching approaching a good solution for a lot of uh, use cases, but long term I think Flutter for Flutter to be successful uh, as a unified UI I think it's already successful on iOS and Android, but I think to be successful on the unified UI it needs to be good enough for a website, and I think it also it needs to be good enough for you to use it as uh, web components. Right. So you have, let's say, a React app, but you have this Flutter piece, this Flutter web components. It needs to be good enough. It means it needs to be lightweight enough. It needs to be fast enough. Not the fastest, not the lightest, but it needs to be in good enough for that use case. So it really opens up the, let's say, the, the shared uh, UI abilities of Flutter. Yeah, that's the one thing. I, I I don't know if you could do this, but I'm sure you should be able to do this, which is like to build some type of really interesting web component, like you called it, that separate piece you could just embed into a website. That's attractive to me because like I'm thinking about for this podcast to put like a Flutter like web player on there so you can play the episodes from the website. 
but my my site's all using HTML, and I don't want to switch it to Flutter Web because the SEO is just not there yet, and uh, it's also very light, right? It's just just text, and I yes. don't have any other JavaScript down there. So that's why I feel like if I could just have this component, that would be pretty happy with it. But I don't think I don't. Know, can you actually do something like that? Because I haven't tried, but I don't think it's very straightforward, though. So th- there's an open issue that I'm following, and I can uh, uh, send it to you so you can add to the show notes. So people can thumbs up. <laughs> so hopefully you can get this going. So right now, the suggested uh, implementation for this is through an iframe, right? So essentially you're creating a, a Flutter application and you put it on an iframe. I think there's someone that was able to hack together to, to have the, let's say the Flutter application to render not at the root of the DOM, and actually render, um, you know, within a specific element. But it's not a, a, an official implementation and there's a little bit of a, a hack around it. So, you know, it would be interesting to see, but the iframe is the initial implementation, but with iframe, you can embed uh, anything anywhere, but you're lacking some of that performance and, you know, the shared context and functions and states and stuff like that. It, things become a little bit more, uh, more difficult, right? But I mean, it is a solution for, I think, uh, a small number of use cases, I think is a good alternative. Uh, the other thing I don't really like is I think they kind of separate like, okay, Flutter for native and then Flutter for web. The reason I say that is because like, even if you wanted to use like isolates, you, there's no isolate anymore within Dart for web. You actually have to use uh, workers or something, I think they call it. It's, okay. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, there's some, there's some definitely some mis- mismatch between the two. And if you want to work with, like you said, the, the, the surrounding context, the JavaScript stuff, you have to pull in this JS library. You know, it's, it does feel like that separation for some strange reason. I'm not too sure why that is. Um, I mean, obviously, okay, I'm sure why it is, but it'd be nice if there's more unified towards like, if you write Flutter apps and, you know, you could be more just really like, okay, this is Flutter, this is Dart, rather than saying, okay, this is for web, so I have to do this. Even if you make a plugin, right, you also have to do it a little bit different just for web, which I think is a little bit annoying. But, you know, there's probably reasons for that, I'm guessing, because of the way the web works, which is kind yeah. of uh, a little bit sad. And I think uh, I, I think there's always reasons for it. Uh, based on my, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to be corrected on this, but when going through the issues on the Flutter team, and I th- think they're doing an amazing job, uh, I they seem to uh, prefer... People, uh, developers having control and, you know, being very clear what they're doing, right? So not trying to hide too much magic behind. So uh, I'm not following the, let's say, the workers isolates thing. For example, isolates and workers make sense being together. If you talk about more of a separate thread. But maybe is the way web works is a different implementation where they want to be clear that, hey, this actually is a li- different enough where you should think about it differently. Uh, and I do appreciate that, right? Uh, sometimes it can be uh, from a developer side, you know, kind of go through the documentation, but I think they have great documentation, you know, but I think it's a safe side to go, especially when there's a, a I think we're just seeing just the beginning of, of Flutter uh, when it comes to the, the some of these use cases yeah yeah definitely um so i want to actually talk a little bit more about like why you started getting into flutter like when you started getting into flutter i think react native is already out there right you're already probably using that for your clients 
Would you actually have mm-hmm. this web consultant company? Like what, what kind of happened that you decided to start looking at Flutter? So we, we started using Flutter. Um, there's a, a company uh, I found that is still going uh, very well called Fan Hero. And that was an initial spinoff from uh, the agency concept. And, you know, we raised some money and we are in a hiring spree. And I was a CTO, founders, a co-founder CTO of the company. And I think when it came to version 2.0 of uh, the app, we started thinking about, you know, we need to go on the, on the hybrid side. We're going to go, you know, and start actually building it in React Native, the initial app. Right. And that was probably, uh, I think around somewhere 2018 or so. And, uh, there are some benefits at the time. I think, uh, how I think React Native has evolved a lot, uh, since then. So for people that, uh, you know, love React Native, uh, all technologies have evolved. Uh, but because we are in a lot of our users were, you know, in, in, let's say, developing countries and, you know, we have a big presence in Latin America, in India, uh, in South Africa. Right. And it means that, that we had a lot of Android devices and I'll say low performance uh, Android devices a lot of the time. And this was something that was difficult with with React Native. Right. And. Especially we're talking about app with lists, you know, lists is always a thing that you have to, uh, I think if you're a Flutter developer, you kind of take it for granted. <laughs> like, oh, here's a list and it works. And that's not the case. So you have to, it's extremely painful. Uh, it's extremely painful to, to build some of these things uh, in React Native and have perform well. And, uh, so we're, we're making, you know, evolving there and, you know, kind of validating, if you will. We're not really, I mean, we're building, but still validating and, uh, Flutter, we're following Flutter, but everything looks good from a sales pitch, right? So everything like, oh, it does this, this and that. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, sure you do. Uh, and we decided, uh, we're having some, uh, specific pain points. And we're like, you know, let's go ahead and, uh, create a, uh, PLC for Flutter, uh, what a Flutter app would look like. So. For, uh, for Fin Hero, we started building, uh, that using Flutter and, you know, getting, getting the tools and so on, uh, kind of, you know, uh, having things set up. One of the big pain points right in the beginning that we saw is that, uh, we had this, uh, I'll say technology in our app called AppBridge, right? Which essentially is, uh, we did these white label apps and customers could deploy almost like these web applications within their native applications. Right. Um, so if, if there's a functionality that that doesn't offer, they could deploy essentially a, you know, a React app or, or something like that with it. And all the API calls used to happen on the native side. So uh, any HTTP request happening on the React native app, on the React app uh, extension, if you will, would call the native HTTP uh, access, access to all these APIs. Right. And when we are starting implementing Flutter, we're saying, okay, here's the downside. Uh, we don't have web views. <laughs> so when we first started validating Flutter, they didn't even have web views. And we're like, whoa, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get there. So let's continue to work a little bit in parallel, uh, with that. And, uh, I'll make a long story, uh, short. Uh, 
eventually when we finally got the, the initial, let's say, screen layout done, at least one screen, one layout done, it was like an introduction screen that we had in mind and, and looked extremely good on iOS. And we're like, okay, here's the ultimate test. Now uh, make it work on Android. So we just got the crappiest Android device we had, right? Small screen and everything. We built it for, for the device and it just looked perfect. <laughs> and, you know, we never seen something like this because everywhere you can say it, but I think only web you'll be able to have this type of result. React Native has not been able to do it. All these other solutions, you'll not be able to do it, right? You know, the Xamarin's of the world and so on. It, it, to look how it was meant on a completely separate device they never ran before, that has never happened before. So we're like, okay, this is definitely the right technology because it's creating no overhead for uh, other platforms, essentially, and it performed extremely well. And then we rotated the device on landscape, which we didn't even design for it, and you know, it, it, it responded how it was meant to be. And we're like, whoa, it actually looks pretty good. So th this overall experience was, this is, they're doing something different. They're not there yet, especially because at the time they didn't even have web views. Uh, but there, we could see that the foundation of what was being set up was going to be great for our use case. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic, like, uh, intro. Cause I think you and I are kind of similar thinking. It's like, okay, what cross platform flutter? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, but must be some kind of downside. There's always something uh, we all, we've probably all played with Ionic. We've played with. React Native, we know what that means. Yeah. And then when you start getting surprises like this, it's like, okay, this is this is interesting. This is kind of working. This is this is nice. It's interesting you talk about the list because I hear that a lot when people talk about like comparing native Android development with Flutter. It's like, okay, when you make a list, you have to like reuse these components and pump things up. Or I forgot what the terminology is for like lists within Android, but I remember it's quite complicated. There's a lot of things you have to do to make it flow really nice. But like you said, with yeah. Flutter, it's just like you just do it and it just works. Yeah, it's it's, it's free. <laughs> and uh, I remember that even nowadays, I think there's some critiques about um, React Native uh, list. And again, I think it got to a point that probably is good enough for a lot of these use cases. But when we start implementing, you had to, it's almost like you're changing the requirements of the application because you want a list to perform. Right, you you don't want to have a lot of dynamic uh, elements and so on, uh, and you can get there, but you have to put a lot of work. Right, when when Flutter, you're just saying, okay, I'm going to create this this role, this item, and I'm just going to throw in the list, and it does uh, a good job rendering. Yeah, that that's that's true. That's but that's also kind of a negative thing sometimes if you think about it too, like. My personal opinion is like when something is easy to onboard, you're going to have a lot of people who don't know exactly what they're doing that will kind of come in, do some stuff for people, and then you get kind of a little bit of a disaster, right? Like you look at like PHP, a lot of exploits can happen, a lot of things can happen because, but it's also so easy to get started. But because there's no, it's so easy to get started and get going with it, that's where you kind of can hurt yourself. If you're not very careful. Um, same yeah. with React. Like React is also kind of simple, but also difficult. But at the same time, once you get into it, it's flexible that you can do a lot of things. But then I might, so to give you some background, like when I worked in a bank, the first project I was working on, we rendered a table of 200 rows in a table, took 30 seconds. 
Well, it was, yeah, exactly. So I had to go through and kind of fix all that mess. And it was all on the front end because I debugged where it was coming from. Uh, so if you're not careful, you can really hurt yourself. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Dart helps minimize that a little bit, right? Uh, the fact that you have a typed language, the fact that, you know, the whole build context conversation about what is build context, why they have to be in the build context. These things, um, I think they help, uh, their layout itself, right? Uh, you have to render, uh, in specific ways. It's almost, it's very flexible in some ways. Uh, but I think it's, it's almost like they have the, these guidelines that you follow, which minimize that. Yeah. If, if Dart was, a you know, it was not typed, for example, like JavaScript and you could, um, you know, define context items outside of the widget build method. I think, yeah, I, I definitely think things would get messier uh, much quicker and then performance would definitely be, uh, you know, be a concern. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think maybe you talked a lot about F, FVM with a lot of people. So if you guys don't know, he works on FVM, which is Flutter version manager. Allows you to flip what version of Flutter you want. Uh, I think you probably went through the story about why you did that on other podcasts and other places. So we probably don't need to walk through that. But there's something else that's been attracting you recently, right? That you're working on. And I think you're pretty excited about it, uh, which yes. is uh, Mix, Mix, right? So we brought you on here to talk all about Mix. Um, and so, yeah, like what is Mix? Because it's kind of like it's open. It's out in the open. But at the same time, it's not. I mean, you got some docs on, but it's just not clear exactly what it is. At least when I read it. And I think you already know that, hey, this is maybe not the clearest. So maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about what is Mix? What's it here to solve? Why should I care about it? I think it's a good exercise to start talking and define about it because uh, I'm extremely uh, excited about Mix. Uh, I think the problems that we aim on solving, uh, they're being solved and it's being a, a great tool. Uh, but it, it, it is a lot of exploration and I'm actually started implementing uh, better docs with examples and things like that. So uh, I think between now and January, we, we're going to be able to tell uh, the story a lot better, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll start with Mix. Mix is a, a tool that allows us to, uh, you know, the, the tagline is to be able to build uh, you know, beautiful, uh, design systems in Flutter effortlessly, right? So essentially it's making it much easier to build, you know, Flutter design systems or design widgets and components and so on. So one thing, and, uh, and again, based on my experience when we were building, you know, uh, Flutter, uh, apps, we've seen that, you know, Flutter can be verbose in, uh, some ways. Which I think I'm, I'm okay with, uh, being verbose. And again, I, I think some people that come from the web, they might have another opinion, but, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, I'm okay, uh, being verbose. Uh, further, they take the opinion of being things to be, uh, we just being composable instead of being inherited, right? Which is also is another great decision. So for example, if, if you have a text and if you want to add a padding to a text, you're not going to edit the text and add a padding. You're going to wrap with a padding widget, right? Um, so there's a, a lot of power that comes 
when any some of these things. The challenge when it comes to visual attributes and visual primitives is defining a text that has padding and a text that, for example, would not have padding. And then you want to have a text that does have padding and is blue and so on. Now you start missing the separation of the visual definition against the widget or behavior, right? So they go together. Everything in the widget essentially is behavior and uh, styling. They go hand in hand. And I think the Flutter team is aware in that in some cases, right? That's why we have a, a, a widget called container, right? So if you open up the code for container, container is a widget that essentially wrapping, building, making it easier, developer-friendly, a lot of these different widgets, right? You know, the uh, constraint box and, you know, color box in some cases, right? And size and so on. So it's, it's making, it's creating an API to make these things much easier. And container is probably the, the most, I'm willing to bat, <laughs> it's probably the most used uh, uh, widget there. So there's definitely a, a, a benefit of having that um, level of flexibility. And you also see this on the theme side. So for example, when you define a, a, a text style on, on your material team, you, when you're building an app, you're gonna be doing a lot of this copy with, right? Hey, I want the headline one, copy with color blue, right? Because I want the same thing, color blue. So there is some inherence. The challenge is the theme side, it doesn't apply for all the visual properties. So coming back to, the initial challenge when working on flood apps and there's also a, a project called sidekick right which is the gui for the flutter version management fbm and you know building it and doing the styling and initially when we built the app we added the material widgets we had the material theme and the app it looked good but it, it looked like every other app Right, so it looked like every other app. It looked like Material. So I was saying, okay, let's let's make this a little bit unique, right? So we start customizing a little bit, right? So for example, hey, I want a button. You know, they have the align button and button, but actually, I want a different type of button. I want buttons with icons to look in a different way. Why I want different color variations of buttons uh, that is not just primary, secondary, right? And you know, I want boxes to look in a different way. And one thing I found out is that maintaining what I was creating, this design system, was extremely difficult to keep consistent, right? It was becoming extremely difficult to, to be consistent because for everything, I essentially had to create a widget to change one small thing of it, right? And the challenge is not even building it, right? So people can say, okay, so it takes a little bit longer to build, that's no problem, which I also agree. But design systems change. And keeping design systems consistent is, I'll say, is the main pain point, right? So you're saying, hey, I like this, but I would like to have more spacing around things. For you to go through every button and, and sometimes button variation, right? You have a button that is, I don't know, padding uh, four, and then you have a bundle that's padding eight. And you say, like, actually, no, I want to be padding two. So now this one has padding two. Now this one has to be padding four. You have to kind of go through the whole process of readjusting the layout. And you go through this process where there's a lot of inconsistencies and so on, right? And if you go to other places, 
even material itself, you see that the use of design systems is very common, right? So you have a lot of design systems where they say, okay, here are my design tokens, right? Certain colors, certain textiles. Here's my uh, spacing that I use throughout, right? And I can say large is padding, uh, you know, padding large, it will be uh, padding with eight, padding small will be a padding with four. And you start to essentially have a, a place to configure these things, right? And another thing is if you have a button and you want to change one small thing, uh, you, you should be able to easily do that without creating a lot of uh, overhead or creating a, a new component or new widget just to do that. So one of the ways to think of Mix, Mix, and I, I don't know if this is uh, the best analogy when it comes to where Flood is right now, but Mix, it's a lot like CSS is for HTML. So before in HTML, you used to define all these properties on these elements, right? And then you had CSS, which would create these style sheets. And the style sheets, they actually, you could inherit from, from each other, right? And you could put them in classes and reuse these classes in throughout the process. And there's, of course, uh, this made things much easier uh, to organize, to extend, to build. And that's what makes Samsung doing is essentially separating the visual uh, description and the visual, uh, let's say, creating these visual primitives where it's, here's the styling, you can play, you can inherit, you can do things like that, and then you can use within the your widget. Yeah, I was looking at, at the uh, the readme on pub.dev. So this is the same one, right? If you pub.dev slash packages mix, this is the same one I'm guessing, right? Yes. Yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Like I, I really like this idea of the, um, what is this one called? I just lost it. Uh, the mix chooser, mix.chooser. Mm. I like this one. We have a condition, a true and a false. I think that's super useful because you could be doing some very interesting things where things are true and false. And the only way to make it nice is you have to make a separate widget to, to do this. But yeah, this is pretty cool. If I can show, a, I, I have a little demo if you want to go through and then we can discuss uh, unless you have something else. No, 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 please go ahead. And, and when you're talking about it, definitely talk as much as you can because people may not be watching the video. Okay, so for people uh, thinking about mix and, and what is mix, I'll, I'll give a, a simple example here. All right, so I'm showing an example of uh, a base example of mix. Um, and it's pretty much showing a purple box, okay? So here I defined a, a mix and I'm actually saying, hey, the height is 100, the width is 100, is rounded, right? And I say rounded 10, which how much is rounded? I give it an elevation and I can say uh, the background color is purple. I want the line center and the text color I want to be white. Okay. So then I have a box, which I call the text mix. The text mix is, is the equivalent of the text widget. Now, first thing that you see is uh, I can define a specific mix to text, but the text mix is actually inheriting the text properties from this. So the text color, the text color and the background color and the alignment is all being inherited. So uh, within, you know, uh, six or seven lines of code, I, I described and also in plain, I'll say in plain English, uh, people can build their own. And I wonder if, uh, you know, eventually if, if it's popping up, people can build their own, let's say, definitions. Uh, 
but it's, it's in plain English, you're describing what something is to look like and allows to inherit it. So I have a box, I describe the box and I add it there and I say, hey, I want the text uh, to look uh, uh, in a specific case, okay? So it's very plain and simple. Another benefit of mix is mix can be defined outside of the context. Now, you know, uh, uh, the Flutter team uh, suggests when you're using, uh, you know, using gap methods, essentially, or something like this, just so hot reload works. Uh, but you can define mixes anywhere. So for example, you can have mixes that are defined globally. And now in, when they get rendered, when they get executed within the box, when it's time to be built within the context, they, they're any context information that needs to be brought in will be brought in, okay? So uh, another benefit of mix is mix can be defined anywhere and be shared anywhere, right? So essentially is, is uh, description uh, that is being used. Uh, another benefit of uh, mix, and now let me know if you have any questions also. So wait, this, because you're saying that I'm just trying to understand. We just talk about the build context. So somehow it's able to pull in the build context, although you define it outside of the of the build method, right? Yes, because essentially what I'm doing is um, when when mix defines these things, it's creating these these attributes, and at some point these attributes will be converted into the properties that they represent, and at that time they will get built context information. I think a, best, a better example here will be something uh, for the design token piece, okay? So if I go here and here in this example, I'll, make, I'll, I'll put mix here. Okay, so the concept of design tokens, right? So of course, if I want to define a color, I can always do a const and I can say main color and I can say, uh, you know, I want this to be uh, colors blue, right? Uh, color blue. So this is a const, I can reuse this. However, as we know, things have to be within the built context. So if, if you think of a, a const as a, a design token, uh, Mix allows us to have what I'll call context design tokens. So for example, here we build, you know, Mix already has some tokens which represent the color scheme and some of the text styles, right? So for example, if I say background color is, and uh, here for people listening, I'm saying background color is pound surface, right? So this converts into a color ref. Here, if you see the type, right? So it's a color reference. So essentially, saying saying this is not a color now. This is a color is a reference of a color at build time, right? But I'm defining separately, and it allows me to say to pull in all. Um, I think one of the initial conversations that we had is saying, why do I need mix when I can use material? And mix is not a replacement material at all, right? Mix is meant to be used with material. So in this example, I have background color surface, a line, and for example, the text color I have on surface. Okay, and if I because the theme changes on surface, 
if I go to dark mode, you can see that the context design tokens also will change based on the context. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's making sense. So this dollar sign surface, this is something that that looks like it's defined from within Mix itself, or is yes. this something somewhere else? Yeah, okay. So, but how does this, can we make our own color refs ourselves? Absolutely. So, uh, if you go here, what is the, and very simply, and I think it's extremely extensible, but this token is just saying a color ref is uh, primary. I'm defining here very uh, simply if you will, okay? And then on the mix theme, I'll go here. Sorry, let me go to defaults. There you go. So, here are the, let's say, default tokens, and you can override them, and you can create more. But essentially what I'm doing here, and I'm showing uh, the mix theme, okay? What the mix theme shows is I'm, I'm defining the color ref, which I define here. So here is also color ref, and I'm saying how the color ref should be built. So I, I say, here's a token. I go ahead and reuse the same tokens defined. And within the theme, I say this token, should be converted into this. Now, what makes this interesting is because the reference to color is a color itself. That means that wherever I use colors, I can pass a color reference, right? But essentially, this is what how you define it. So you could easily go here and say, you know, any specific context value, and you can just say, we're gonna pass the build context and what value you wanna return. And same thing for here for the body text and the textiles. We have the text, uh, the textile um, references, right? So you can see here that it's very easy for you to start building your own con context-aware design tokens, if you will. So where's the flipping of the definition of the color ref that's happening in your theme somewhere else? Sorry, when when I was looking at this, I think the video went out on your screen, so I may have missed some detail. So I understand that it's pulling from the build context, but it seems like the color ref doesn't get decoded until it's into the widget tree where it has a build context, right? But the color ref, like, I'm just trying to see, like, where would you flip that? Where is it actually getting flipped for between the two different, like, dark mode and light mode? No, so so this is a the, the theme uh, data itself, right? So when I go to dark mode, it's actually switching... Uh, the the context data. So it's the same thing with the theme, right? So when I'm in dark mode and I get primary, it's gonna get the dark uh, the dark version of the theme, right? The color scheme of the dark version of the theme. So this color scheme here that I'm calling is essentially the the theme of context uh, dot color scheme, right? It's just an extension. So when the context okay. changes, it's mm -hmm. just getting out the dark theme itself. So that's why it's doing that switch. I'm not doing anything. I'm doing saying I'm just referencing the color uh, from the material uh, theme itself, right? And this is, uh, you know, pretty much the the result. So very simply, I can go ahead and do 
I can define outside of it and uh, use it within. Now, one thing also that I mentioned that is important is talk about like, okay, what is it doing behind the scenes? What is a box and what is the magic? So a box essentially is just a container, right? So if I go to the code base of the box here, the box, you know, we have things like the mix, uh, the context notify and so on, but if you go into the box, all I'm doing is this. If it's animated, it's an animated container. If it's a container, it's a container. So when I mentioned that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel in certain ways and, and leverage everything that Flutter offers, is box is a helper that you're going to be interacting with, right? It's like text, right? The text mix is essentially the same as it's just wrapping a text widget and passing the text properties within, right? So that keeps the, the footprint uh, very small throughout. Yeah, okay. I see it now. So you're leveraging the current material widgets in order to extend and give it this kind of uh, way to extend even more, okay? It's interesting. And well, I'll give an example here of the, the pressable. So there's another component, I'll say another primitive uh, called pressable, okay? And pressable is, uh, you know, the equivalent of, of a bundle of anything that you want to show gestures on it, right? So uh, if I'll go here, I, I, I have a mix defined uh, for pressable. And I go ahead and define it, right? It's rounded. Uh, and I'll just hide this for now. But uh, I, I have it rounded. I give it a padding and elevation. I say the background uh, color is primary. The text color is going to be on primary, right? And I want it to be bold, bold text, right? So we have some utility functions, right? But this is also can be representing to font, uh, weight, right? Font weight bold, right? Uh, However, there's, you have the ability to create some utility functions to do things like that. And I have this button, I have elevation, everything looks good. And I want to, when I hover, I want to change the text color and the background color, right? So I can go ahead here and you can see that now when I'm hovering, things are changing. And also keep in mind that this can be defined outside of the build context, right? So essentially is I defined the properties that I want to be on hover, right? And I want the properties that I want to be uh, on press. So if I go here on scale, I press the button, you can see here that I'm changing, when I press, I'm changing my elevation, okay? And I'm changing my scale. And the good thing is if I want to animate it and I, I determine my starting point animation, I just add animated property to mix and now, Everything animates in between the elevation, you know, the colors, the animating between. Everything works seamlessly within that context uh, itself. How about is there extra properties for your animated so you can do more fine-toned fine animations, like how long the animation takes? So, yeah, here on the animated, you can pass a duration, which to keep things simple, I pass in uh, milliseconds, right? So... You can see here effect, and I can also pass a curve. So there are some properties also that uh, to pass and make these things a little bit uh, better and cleaner. So it does give you some control on that. 
Yeah, this is pretty cool. It's it definitely takes a little bit of it's it's a little bit jarring when you first see it, but I can start to see how this can make things very interesting when you start defining things. And I'll give you one one example, and I'll do the best to, to do scrap also. Uh, there's things uh, for design tokens in design systems like spacing, right? You want the same spacing, like the example I gave for padding, right? So for padding, for example, uh, we can do uh, padding small, for example, right? We can do padding large. So now I don't have to define the size of the padding. This could be defined on the mixed theme, and I can just reuse throughout, right? So every time I use the padding, I don't have to say, oh, I want this padding small, I want this padding large. Now, another interesting thing that I can do, and this is one of the powers of mixed row, is that if I want the padding overall to be 20, but I can go ahead and say that padding uh, bottom, I want to be 10. So I'm essentially just saying all the padding will be 20, but padding bottom will be 10. So I can always override uh, the properties, right? I can say on hover, I want the bump to change. So for example, here is a great example. I have scale one, but when I press, I have scale 0.9, right? And, and this, uh, this is called the variance. So on press, this variance is being, uh, the scale one is being overridden, right? And this way you have the behavior. So there's a lot of merging and overriding of properties that can be done. And uh, one thing that I'll mention, and one of the ways to think of mixes is a tool to build design systems. So on design systems, and you see that on Flutter also, you have variations of certain things, right? Uh, so you have like a button, and then you have an outline button, and so on and so forth. So uh, one thing that Flutter allows us to do, I mean, sorry, mix, is to declare variants, okay? So here I'm defining an outline variance. Very simple, I have a variance class and I'm passing outline. And now what I can do is within mix, I can say outline, okay? And I can say that, uh, let me just remove the celebration piece real quick. Um, and I'm gonna say that what I want is the outline, I want the, uh, border color to be blue, right? The, the blue, the primary color that I, I have there, right? And I also want the text color to be blue and the background to be transparent, okay? So what does this mean? It means that there's a variance of this mix called outline that we inherits all the pieces here but we'll override certain. The reason this is important is because this essentially becomes a namespace. So if I want a button that I want to be an outline, we're able to pass the variance of the button. So if I want to have many different types of buttons that essentially have the same scale, have the same animation, have the same curves, have the same fonts, everything, but I want to override certain things, all I have to do is create a variance. And I can go ahead and pass a variance uh, through. And also there's some helper methods to, to pull the variance. But this is one thing that we've seen that is extremely powerful. So for example, if you want to create a typeset, you can create a mix with the declaring your fonts and just declare you know, headlines as, as variants and use throughout.
Yeah, this is this is quite cool. Uh, the only thing is, I always find that as I build an app bigger and bigger and bigger, you're still going to find you're going to find that you're going to have a ton of different variants because every single page will be different. I don't know that that's just been my kind of experience, but I do like that you can make an outline like this. I think this is pretty cool. And one of the one of the ways to do this is again. We try to keep the context of the design system. Now, you can style everything, right? You can kind of go through and every element do itself, right? But when you normally go through through a design system, you're going to declare your typesets. You're going to declare, let's say, your colors. You're going to define, all these are design tokens, right? You're going to go define your spacing. And then you go into an element like button. And you're going to say, okay, here's the color of my button. Here's the, the token of the text. Here's the token of the spacing, right? And now you're saying, I want variations of this button, right? So essentially this minimizes a lot of uh, the behavior. And one thing is that, one of the things that I'm, I'm playing with idea is have some of what I call like these uh, headless components, if we will, right? So these foundations that already accept uh, some of these things, right? So for example, here, uh, I'll give an example. We have some, some elements that were created with mix, okay? And I'll go here, I would like to show just uh, how uh, powerful mix uh, can be. So here I have, here's a, a, a problem that I, uh, for example, had, right? So I created an active variant. Okay, I have an active variant for the checkbox, okay? So I have the box and I'm pretty much saying, okay, it's rounded. Here's the color. Here's the border gray, the width. Okay. And what I do is when it's active, I want the color uh, to be the primary and also uh, the icon color to be primary and also the border color to be primary, right? And you can see here, I have animated on and it has a nice color transition here. Okay. Now for, for behavior sake, it, this is nice, but I want feedback when I hover, right? And this is what I had before. So I want this blue border when I hover also to be blue, even though it's not active, okay? So this is, this is important for me from a behavior perspective. So one thing that we do here, we have these, you know, leveraging B wise operators. So essentially I, I pass uh, hover and I have a bitwise operator like a pipe. So I have over or active. And what I do now, actually, and what we can see here that now I have this nice polished experience, right? I'm saying that, hey, I want this to apply for two variants, right? And the same, another operator that I have, for example, if I want it, it say I only want to be hover and active. I can also define that. I want this variant to 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 apply for hover or variant or, or active. So this is extremely powerful. So this is you know uh, it, we're creating these small elements, uh, Alan, and 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 I think this is uh, one of the the benefits uh, that we're seeing is the ability to define. First of all, defining plain English and be able to, you know, have that level of control, not have not being too uh, too verbose, if you will, and be able to, you know, override and also creating variations, right? And that's why I think 
you know, uh, mix is, is, is similar to what CSS is, is for HTML, right? On how the definitions came along, but on the dark way. So having things like the build context and so on, uh, it makes extremely powerful. And I'll give one example, the hover uh, behavior and the dark behavior, these are variants. So when I define a variance also here, uh, it actually allows me to pass on, uh, pass a, a check function. So for example, if, if I want this caller to active this, uh, act, to always be active, um, actually, let me show you the, I think it's better to show the, the implementation of, uh, of hover, for example. Here's the, the whole variant implementation of hover, okay? So on hover, I'm defining a variant and I pass the value here as a namespace. So essentially just hover as text and I have a check function, right? So the check function is context and I check the pressable notifier and I flip this, I check if this is true or not. What does this mean? That essentially is when I create a variant, I can actually give a callback context function that will make it automatically be applied, right? So I can go ahead and apply active or not, or I can say that, hey, I don't even want to apply active or when apply active, just listen to the context, listen to this context. Whenever this provider changes value, apply these stylings, right? And that's why we've seen that is extremely powerful from uh, from that perspective. Yeah, this is, this is pretty cool, but is this actually ready for production use right now or is this still kind of an experimentation phase? So it's experimentation. So I won't say it's ready for production, especially because, you know, design systems want to keep consistent so the APIs change. However, we're very close, right? We just, uh, we are creating, let's say, best practices and opinions. Uh, and to be honest, the main APIs have not changed uh, much. So, but I just disclose, you know, uh, Proof, uh, uh, prototypes, and, and things like that be uh, be uh, adjusted. Um, everything is, you know, we we plan on being very easy and implementing the flow. So, for example, things like the box doesn't change because at the end is a container, and anyone can create uh, any type of utilities or or attributes, right? So, I think even going forward, that backwards compatibility and transition. Um, it's is very easy, but it's still an experimentation phase. But I think uh, by the end of the year, if you will, or January, we will. Uh, what I think will be a a, a 1.0 release. But it's you know ex extremely uh, exciting, and uh, I'll just I'll show one more a case, which is if developers want to extend this. Right, I'll give an example: the container does not have an opacity value, right? So you are able to also create what we called uh, decorator attributes. So what decorator attributes are is you can create an attribute that you can go in and say that opacity, this is an example of a decorator attribute. And you can say that opacity is a certain value. And what this does is it doesn't modify the box. Uh, it uses the, com uh, the composable nature of Flutter. And essentially, you can define that when you call opacity, it means that you're going to 
create an opacity widget. So if I go into the uh, implementation of this, okay, here's a opacity widget attributes, right? Which uh, in the documentation now we're calling decorators. So you can see here that essentially I, pa I pass the mixed contacts in the child and I pass an opacity widget or animated widget. So the reason this is, and this is one of the ways we like to maybe approach the community in some cases. People are building these awesome widgets and actually powerful widgets, right? And makes wants to be lightweight and not very opinionated. So to be able to annotate widgets as value and say, hey, if you're using mix and you want to use our widget or this other party widget that you don't have, you can create the widget decorators, right? And easily use within mix without, it's a way to extend mix without mix becoming, let's say, too bloated, right? So mix only has a few parameters. It has a box. It has a flex box, which is the, the equivalent to, you know, row, column, and the flex widget. It has text, icon, and that's pretty much it, right? So icon uh, translates into an icon, text into a text, a box into a container, a flex box into a flex element. Uh, there's some other ones that we might be building, like image and so on. But as an example, the, the goals will be extremely lightweight uh, and be extensible. Sorry, I know there's yeah, a, lot, a lot to digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, that's, the, that's where I'm at right now is I'm just still digesting all this stuff because it's really, uh, it's jarring, but like not like in a bad way. It's just like, okay, I got to soak all this in. I'm just thinking about some, some cases, right? One thing I just noticed is that you have animated, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you want to have animated hover, but not animated press. Is that actually possible? Yes. One, one of the uh, current things that we have with, uh, you say you want to animate a hover, but not, not press. Yeah, because what I see is you often, like I was looking at your, uh, your animated, like inside the container, right? Or the, the box you haven't is animated and you have a different type of widget coming out. Opacity also is, if it's animated and you have an animated opacity which makes sense, but let's say there's some things you want animated, some things you don't for whatever reason. Like, do you have a way to, to selectively apply animations to certain things and be very specific about certain animations? Yeah, so that is, that is, uh, I think, a great point and something that it is in the roadmap with this uh, thought about, you know, uh, going forward. There, um, so for example, you want to only animate, let's say, the, the color or the size, or, but you don't want to animate something else. Right now, to make the API simply, we essentially we pass the animated value uh, throughout. But that's something that we discussed, and we're just trying to see how much complexity we would add to be able to implement this. So essentially, just doing a a value to animate or not. Now you can do similar things by having separate mixes, right? Uh, that's something one of the ways you can do because essentially you're saying that this mix. Uh, is animated, but there's a situation that you don't want the mix to animate and implement a little bit of that, that chooser, uh, which is no, is not ideal right now. But yeah, I think that's a good point if you want to just define some animated properties. That's not something you can do, uh, right now, but it's something we've discussed. The other thing I'm thinking about too is like when you showed me like padding and you could override with bottom padding, like if you could do like it animated and somehow override no animated or you know what I'm saying? Like something like that. I'm just thinking that's, I just pick it out one property, but I'm just thinking about 
how you can selectively you know, remove things. Yeah, so for example, if I do animate it here, um, I'll try to describe for people there in the audio. And I can actually go animate it uh, and pass false. Maybe I can be looking, but I can actually override it and say it's not animated here. So I, I can override uh, from that perspective. So I can say, hey, within this, I want this to be animated and animated, but it's, it's, it's being applied to the whole uh, mix, if you will. Now, one of the ways you can do this is maybe you have a, uh, you can have also a variant that's animated, right? And a variant that is not animated. That's another uh, example. So th these are some of the things that we're still um, creating best practices around. And however, when we went in to create design systems now, and this is our experience, it is, it's such a pleasant way of building components and building, again, not building these functional widgets, but building visual primitives, right? So when you're building visual primitives, right? I want to go through and say, you know, uh, what would a Flutter app look for me right now? It wouldn't look like mix everywhere. What I'll do is I'll have certain visual primitives that are built using mix and then being used throughout the app, right? With Cupertino widgets, material widgets, and so on, right? So you have just these primitives that we're going to be uh, using to build that functionality. Okay, yeah, I see. So this is just a tool to kind of augment the visual aspects, not like totally replace everything with Mix. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think as a, you build tools for specific use cases, right? And Mix is, is being optimized to build uh, visual primitives, right? So that's why one of this build, again, design systems, right? It, it, it allows, already provides some visual primitives and so on, but it's to build mostly design systems. So I'll say, you know, if, if, you, if you're familiar with uh, atomic, uh, you know, uh, atomic design, right? Or the components where you have, uh, you know, atoms, molecules, and so on, uh, we want those initial uh, primitives to be like the atoms side to be, and maybe some molecules, but not essentially have all these, every property you have in the scaffold or you have a list view, we start throwing mix in, you know, you can, but that's not what is meant to do. It's meant to, to define the design language uh, of the app and be shared throughout the application. Yeah, I can see this as a as an interesting way to do like the theming and all that. Uh, it's like an augmentation to that, I would say, or another way to do it. We can start defining certain things. Okay, I mean, I think I would have to play with this some more to get real good idea about how and when I'd want to use something like this. But I do like the ideas. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, has there been any feedback from anybody else besides besides obviously besides people in your team, like any outsiders? Yeah, we're using mostly internally, and that's the thing. Once you go into uh, the readme uh, file, you be very clear that you know it's is being used internally, but it's the experimental stage. Um, but we don't have a lot of feedback. But we, you know, we we trying to solve a specific a specific problem, and I'll say even though Mix is not our, I think this is the second or third, let's say, iteration on how we approach things. Right, so it has gone through. 
already a major refactor uh, because of that, to make things simpler and so on implemented. Uh, now, building it, a design system internally, internally and maintaining it, right? Because one of the benefits that also we have now is whenever we have, let's say, a, a Figma file, right, or, or sketch file or so on that has, defines a design system and defines the spacing, defines the color, it defines the types of shadows, right? We're going in and we're creating a mix and we're saying, okay, here's the colors, the color references, here's the, the, the spacing throughout and we're defining all the, uh, the, the spacing that has been used throughout, right? So there's this very easy transition from the, the visual design into Flutter for some of these primitives. And, and that's one thing that's about telling the story, right? We still have to do a better job of explaining, being clear with the benefit. There's a couple people from the community that we shared and similar thing, becoming familiar and seeing and getting feedback of, hey, I would like to be able to do this or how would I be able to do that? And we, you know, some things make sense and we're adding it. Uh, but I won't say not things that are like closer to, to production use, uh, you know, external to the company. Okay. Okay. This is, yeah, beyond that, it's, it's pretty cool. Like I said, I think maybe I need to play with this some more to see how I feel. Is the, is there a pretty late version already up on pub.dev or we have to get something from GitHub directly if you want to start playing with this by ourselves? Yeah. So pub, uh, we work on documentation. I think uh, at the end of the week, the Gwis will have what I think is uh, more approachable documentation that actually goes through about the APIs and all the utilities they're creating and goes into about how are things working behind the scenes, right? Because that's one thing. When people see something like this, they're like, okay, this, this doesn't look like the theme on Flutter, right? And there, people get concerned, which is a valid concern about, like, oh, there's so much magic happening. And even though there's, I think the magic of mix, if you say there's a magic, is on the API. It's not on the inner workings. The inner workings is, it's Flutter, right? It's, it's simple, it's very basic widgets, right? But there's a lot of work that was put throughout getting the API and interacting the API uh, in this specific way, right? So that's something that we want to uh, to work. So we work on the documentation. Uh, I believe the version of PubDev is the last one is, uh, you know, 0.03. It's still early on. You know, I think people can play. We, we want to create some uh, recipes, if you will. Uh, we're playing idea of creating uh, headless components. So essentially is if you want to build your own design system, you don't want to build it from scratch. We're going to provide, you know, the goal is for us to have like say switches and a checkbox and some basic buttons. And so have these, these, which we're still playing if it's going to be within Mixer now, but essentially have these other primitives that go in and say, if you want to build your own design system, here's some things that everyone needs. So you can go ahead and use it and you can overwrite them, uh, with Mix, right? So it kind of gives you a starting point for creating these design systems. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have any other questions. I think it's just I need to play with it, but uh, I do like it. It seems pretty straightforward. It's, like I said, jarring when you first see it because it's totally different than what we're used to. But I can I can see this being a way to, like you said, create those visual components. 
Yeah, and, and that's something I, I just coming back to the tools, how I got to flood and everything. You know, going to Flutter is, uh, uh, you know, extremely powerful technology. And we want to be more efficient, be more productive and build more things in Flutter. So the, all the work and the tools that we're trying to build with Flutter, they're aimed on solving specific problems that we have internally for products that we have internally. So the main goal of Mix, as I mentioned, is, is to make the build, building design systems much easier. And one thing that we're doing within the company exploring is building design systems, but not just one design system, right? Because one design system, we can do it, but we want to not only build uh, lots of design systems, different design systems, design systems for different cases, but also allow these design systems to be customizable, to be overridden, right? For people to make their own. And that's why we come in and say, okay, let's approach this from, from a, a, a ground up and see what is the current design system approach? How are people uh, interacting with design systems? And that's why we have this, these things like spacing, color, uh, text, right? Uh, this design tokens approach. And that's why we come in and trying to bring that, that specific language and those design uh, uh, language from all the design systems into Flutter. Yeah, this is very cool. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to kind of mention about Nix before we start to wrap up? No, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that, uh, you know, we're excited about. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting solutions for, you know, even some other let's say, uh, approaches that we've seen when it comes to styling and themes. And, you know, it's, I'll say that it is a problem uh, that we're passionate about solving, and that's why we, we you know, working on Mix, right? So, you know, I think uh, time will tell. I think, well, so I think within a month or so, we might have something that is more stable and do a better job explaining and giving a starting point because it's a little bit different. And one of the feedbacks that I have for people that I've shown, not used, is it opens up Flutter for communities like we started talking about, the web community, right? So Flutter is similar to TypeScript and JavaScript and so on. But when it comes to, to styling, interacting, and, so, and some of these things, it is very different, right? So some of the people that that saw that had like a web background like oh i get it i understand it right and and you know i can actually translate the 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 web people companies that are making the transition from web and considering a flutter app right i think they might be more open if they say they can also easily bring their design systems and design language into other technologies so we're trying to make this a little bit easier so it's just a starting points but i think that there's uh some maturity that will take place and so on. Yeah, definitely. I, I love how this mix seems like a class that you can reapply and, and it kind of follows the CSS rules. That's what I like about it a lot. And I can see how this one makes it easier for people to onboard to style things up because like, yeah, you, you can make a link and then you can make a link look like a button, right, with CSS. And I can see you being able to do the same thing with mix. Yeah, one of the things, I, I guess will be the last thing here. So... You on Mix, and I didn't mention this, but on Mix, it's very easy for you to, let's say, define, right? So I'm defining here this particular Mix here. And another example, I can define this whole Mix here, 
okay? And I can actually apply within another mix, right? So talking about combining mixes, I can have, you know, these mixes that is saying, hey, it's rounded or whatever certain color, and I can go in and just apply to it. And it just makes things extensible. And most important, I think you brought up a good point, is like people getting ahead around it. We have to create the best practices. And we're still uh, defining some of these things and finding out some of these things, right? Uh, but we are prioritizing API and developer experience on this. So yeah, I think there's a lot to say about Mix. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's not a lot, but at the same time, there's also a lot to say because it's very interesting. Yeah, if I'm, for you guys who can't see it, I mean, definitely check it out when it comes out. I think by the time this episode comes out, I think you should have the documentation updated because I think it's about two to three weeks this episode should come out. So hopefully that should give you enough time. Oh, very cool. Uh, but in any case, yeah, check it out. I think this is pretty cool. I, I, okay, I may bring this up to my client tomorrow or the next day because I think it's interesting. Maybe after the docs come out, so it's easier for them to take a look at it. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so maybe let's start to wrap up because it went quite a bit over time, which is okay. Oh, sorry about that. Um, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's two big questions I like to ask that are pretty good. Which is, um, you know, what kind of state management solution do you usually reach for when you could be using state management within Flutter? So I'm a Flutter hooks slash river pod, uh, person. So again, it's a lot of the React and React native. Uh, that's what drew me to Flutter hooks and everything I do use Flutter hooks. I think it's, it's a great solution. Um, uh, and that's why, you know, state management we use. There's some projects that uh, on Finhero we use uh, initially a, a block and provide and so on. But you know, when I get a uh, choice, I think Riverpod is the you know the implementation we go with. And then the last question is like, do you have any tips for beginners or any kind of warnings for people to say you know, hey, watch out for this or be careful of that for people who are starting to work out with Flutter? Uh, there's a couple of things that I suggest. I think that actually I have a. a Twitter thread about some of these things, but the docs, and again, I know it's a little bit cliche to say read the docs, but uh, you should read the docs when it comes to uh, how layouts get rendered, right? How, how constraints and how, uh, you know, how constraints get applied. You should read it and reread it. That's going to save you a lot of uh, time. And another thing is the, they have a uh, flooded team has a great YouTube channel that they talk about the widget of the week, very short videos, but they're so powerful into explaining what each widget does. So you should definitely check out, if you have a question about widgets and you're trying to see how widgets can be used, go that route. That's also going to save a lot of uh, effort. Yeah. That's good advice. I think, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say before we sign off for the, the day? No, uh, again, thanks for having me. Thanks for having some awesome people from the community. And, you know, I think it's a lot of value to, to have some of these talks and gain, you know, get some of this feedback. So yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I think it's good to get people who maybe not everybody knows these kind of people. Like we, we had some people who, like you said, are kind of a little bit well-known, but it's also good to have people who are not so well-known who are doing interesting things. Yeah. Because those are people that really do some pretty inspiring stuff, right? Like, 
Now everybody probably knows who you are, right? So, but you're working on some really cool stuff with Mix. So I'm excited to see this to come out. And I'm curious if this would actually have an effect on Flutter itself. Maybe they're going to start including this within Flutter or maybe make some changes because of it. Who knows? Yeah, that might, that might be a long, more long-term, but it's definitely interesting. On the, the more use cases that Flutter will get applied to, right? I think uh, these tools become you know, more important. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, we may have you back on after a couple of months to kind of talk about, you know, what have your lessons learned from, from this? Could be never try this again, or it could be this has been really inspiring and, and uh, we got something really out of this, or who knows? Like you said, no, nobody really knows, so you throw it out there and see how it goes. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you.